What a joy to welcome new members into the life of our church. What gifts they bring to us. We listen now for God's Word to us as it comes from the Gospel of John, the 12th chapter. Here in John's Gospel is a brief story of anointing. And it's set between the resurrection of Lazarus and the death and resurrection of our Lord. Listen for God's word for you. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and he kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? So gracious God, Speak to us now as only a living God can. And quiet within us any voice but your own. For we pray in the name and for the sake of Christ. Amen. I want to share a little bit more about our trip to the Holy Land. We just returned from. I tell you the flight to and from Israel is somewhat arduous especially for those of us over 6'3". It's a five-hour flight to New York, and then you go through Israeli security before you hop on the next plane, which is an 11-hour flight to Tel Aviv. In all of that, you're traveling through 10 time zones. When we arrived in Tel Aviv, one of the Holy Land adventurers discovered that her luggage was still in New York. So we were delayed for a while leaving the airport until that got sorted out. <clears throat> By the end of the trip, we gave her an award for the Fashionista Award, the most resourceful way to wear one outfit for three days. <laughs> Arriving on that first night in Tel Aviv, we were tired and hungry but excited to have finally arrived. We all looked forward to dinner and to a bed. Traveling internationally, you all know this, you have to attend to the fact that different countries handle electricity differently. Israel uses 220 amp service, while our American electrical plugs use 110 amp electrical. Your home probably has some 220 amp circuits. You use them for dryers and washing machines and heavy equipment like that. You got to think of it a little bit like the difference between a half-inch pipe and a one-inch pipe. 
there's just a lot more that comes through a one-inch pipe. So my wife and I came prepared with several different kinds of adapters for the electricity there. And as we were getting ready for bed that first night, we plugged in our iPhones and our iPad and computer, and everything was going smoothly. And then my wife, Lynn, tried to plug in her heating pad to relieve the stress of a muscle in her neck. And the next thing we knew, we saw a flash of light, and suddenly we're cast into utter darkness. The circuit had, bro had blown. We hoped only for our room and not for the entire hotel. Now, in placing our things in the closet, I had noticed the panel. So I grabbed a flashlight and I began to fix the problem. Meanwhile, Lynn was moving to assist me and she felt something crunching under her feet. It was the control panel for the heating pad. Apparently, when that 220-amp power went through that control panel, it not only fried it, it exploded the panel. Bits of plastic flying everywhere. Thankfully, I found the breaker panel. I flipped the switch. We had electricity again, and we fell into bed laughing. Now, I learned a very important lesson. There is a difference between an electrical adapter and an electrical transformer. For electrical devices that don't produce, produce heat, an adapter is sufficient. But for those that do produce heat, like hair dryers and heating pads, you need a transformer. When I read this story of this exchange that took place long ago between Mary of Bethany and Jesus, and Judas, I have this sense that Mary understood transformers while Judas was trying to use an adapter. There is power in this faith of ours. In fact, the New Testament uses the Greek word dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. Paul writes in Romans, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power, it is the dunamis of God for salvation for everyone who has faith. Now most of us, I think, operate on kind of a 110 amp faith. And for those of us who experienced the Holy Land, it was like plugging into a 220 amp faith. We are content often with small adjustments and minor distractions. But others are more desperate about their lives. They know that things are falling apart. They worry about their fractured relationships. They even worry about themselves and their own mental and emotional health. They long for some power in their life that has the ability to bring healing and forgiveness that they've never known and they cannot manufacture themselves. We need a 220 amp faith, even if it blows up the lives that we currently live. Even if it leads to a more radical transformation of our lives. We need a transformer, not just an adapter. And going to the Holy Land, you get this sense 
that your faith receives a jolt of power. Now, a little background into the story. It's customary in that day to provide water for guests when they arrive for the washing of feet, especially. The roads, the walkways are dusty. People wore sandals. So water for washing was often stored near the door, provided for guests as they entered the home. If you've ever traveled in the developing world, you know that water is of two varieties. There's potable water or drinkable water. And then there is water used for other purposes, not for consumption. And the water provided for washing feet was not drinkable. So here we have this story of a woman who's letting her hair down, literally, in public. It's a violation of etiquette and custom for a woman to behave this way. And if it wasn't bad enough that she had let her hair down, which was the way that loose women behaved, then to use her hair as a towel to wipe the feet of Jesus was entirely offensive and unseemly. And she used this expensive perfume, well, it was too much for Judas at that point, who protested against the extravagant waste of resources. Judas was into something central to the gospel. It does have something to do with bringing good news to the poor. Jesus announced his ministry in the words of the prophet Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Jesus certainly wasn't being dismissive of the poor in his response when he said, you always have the poor with you. What he rejected was the dichotomy between one and the other, between the act of extravagant worship and caring for the poor. In other words, there's value in both. Both have their place. There's place for adoration and worship in matters of faith. But Mary was responding to this 220-amp faith of hers, and she'd been so transformed by the experience of being with Christ that adoration and worship was the only appropriate response, even if it appeared inappropriate to the customs of the day. Now, Jesus doesn't say we should always have the poor with us. It's not a prescriptive explanation. It's simply a descriptive explanation. When religion becomes a matter of certain principles rather than the person of Christ, you have to watch out. Faith challenges our value systems just as it did Judas and Mary. We're likely to spend our money and time and effort differently as people of faith. We may even have to take some politically incorrect positions. Are we defined by our politics or are politics defined by our faith? It's really which is the noun and which is the adjective? Are you a Republican or a Democrat? Are you a Christian American or an American Christian? For Mary, 
All other definitions and customs just fell by the wayside. She had discovered real power in Jesus Christ, and it led most naturally to devotion and adoration in worship, and even a little political incorrectness. She let down her hair with Jesus. Let me conclude with a quote from Reverend Dr. Gary Demarest, who is seated right with us, with his beloved wife, Marilee. They worship with us. He's the former pastor of the La Cunada Presbyterian Church, where for 25 years he served as that pastor, and then he served our denomination, and spent a lifetime in ministry. In his little article entitled, One But Not the Same, in a book entitled Musings, he writes this, I'm going to do my best to think and live in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and continually be guided by our confessions, as I promised long ago. He made that promise in his ordination, and every officer of the church, every pastor of the church makes that same promise. And then he writes, I will always keep John Mackay in this conversation. For many years, this former missionary to South America who served as president of Princeton Theological Seminary, he served in that capacity from 1936 to 1959, and perhaps he is most famous for a letter that he wrote during the 1950s opposing McCarthyism politically incorrect at the time. Gary Demarest writes on, he became a trusted friend in his later years, and in what was my last conversation with him just a few weeks prior to his dying on a cold day in Georgetown, he walked me to my car, bundled up in a top coat and earmuffs, and as I prepared to drive off, he said, remember, Gary, Hold fast to Jesus Christ and stay loose with everything else. You see, I think Mary of Bethany had a grasp of that insight. Her faith was more than a political position or an ideological framework. She was prepared to hold fast to Jesus Christ while Judas was elevating Christ through a lens of some kind of ideological position. Ministry to others flows from our adoration of Christ. The gospel of Christ calls us to worship the Lord, but to include in our worship care for the poor. And so I conclude with those same words with which Gary Demarest concludes his musing. Words from Eugene Peterson's translation of 1 Corinthians 13 called The Message. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll all Excuse me, we'll see it all then, 
see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing Him directly just as He knows us. But for now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly. And the best of these is love. Thanks be to God. Amen.